We were designed to be worshipers of God, worshipers of a living God. So all of those things talk about what our church is, but when we gather as a church, our number one value is to worship. It's our primary goal. So when you talk about worship, what is worship? Okay, but, but the word can be all over the map. When you actually study the roots of the word, it's worth-ship, it's assigning value to something. So worship is not, I mean, when we say it in church, we think, oh, well, it's worshiping God. But what if I suggest to you that there's lots of things that are worshiped? What if we worship our jobs, our, our money, our stuff, our cars? Watch, in this selfie generation, our looks. Do we worship our looks? We do. People will, you're like, I don't look that good, Pastor. I don't worship my looks. I'm playing with y'all. But worship is this. It's to adore. It's to value. It's to pay homage, to honor. And it's to serve. Now, there's lots of words in the Hebrew and in the Greek that speak to this idea of worship. But the one thing that's woven through almost every single word, every single definition, is the idea of service. That, that worship is actually giving service. It's not just this idea of honoring God or paying homage to God. It's actually giving service to God. So I, I want to make an assertion. I think you'll all agree with it. Everybody worships something. See, God made us to worship. He did make us to worship. And everybody worships something. Now, my question for you is this. What do you worship? Now, you're sitting in church, so your answer is going to be what this morning? Yeah. But do you know how you really can tell what you worship? Look, well, checkbook. Checkbook's a good way. Where do you put money? Where do you put time? Where do you put time? Where do you put your energy, your skill, your talents? Where do you put them? Listen, that will really define what you actually worship. Now, all of us want to grow in our worship of God, right? I mean, you're sitting in church this morning because you're here to worship and to grow in your relationship and your understanding of God. But everybody does what? Worship. However, not everybody worships God. Listen, even in this room, we don't want to say this out loud, but some of us are worshiping, but we're not worshiping who? We're not worshiping God. We're worshiping lots of stuff. But, but not necessarily God. Now, this is crazy, though, because sociologists are starting to study this stuff because we have a new phenomenon coming on. Come on, we got these things, don't we? See, you guys, you got to understand, like, my kids grew up with this stuff. I didn't. Like, I remember when the Internet came. Do you guys remember that? How many of you are old enough to remember that? Yeah, I remember it. And I remember a, a thing called MySpace. You guys remember MySpace? That's like a million years ago. It might still exist. I don't even know. And then, and then it morphed over, and now we got Twitter, and we got Facebook, and we got Instagram, because everybody's got to know what we're eating, right? <laughs> Take a picture of your food, you're like, blank, boom, this is where I'm at. It's remarkable today. But really what you're saying is, I want everybody to see my life. I want everybody to notice. That's a form of worship, actually. Now, I'm not saying it's all wrong. Please understand. But I am saying this, that it can be really, really, like, wacky and crazy. But sociologists are starting to study this because it's a new phenomenon. I mean, we're talking about in the last 10, 20 years this has come on. This is not like 40, 50 years old like, like I am. 40? No, 50. Yeah, anyways. It's not that old. So they're trying to figure out what do we do with this because we have worship of all sorts of stuff. Like, like the sociologists are saying that there's brand worship, there's celebrity worship. Listen, you want the truth? When does the next iPhone come out? Just go to the Apple store and look at the line. Look at the line and tell me we don't worship stuff. I remember the first time I got an, an iPhone, the first, first time I had a junky little flip phone thing. I got an iPhone, and I remember I went into the store. They said, oh, well, we won't have them in stock again for like another month. You should have waited in line. I'm like, no way. There's no way in the world I'm going to sleep overnight to get a phone. That's just crazy to me. Now, now they make more of them in one release. I, I get all of that. But, but listen, there's a sociologist out of... Um, out of Sydney, Australia, and he writes on this idea of celebrity worship, and this is what he says, the accumulation of such attention capital, speaking of capital, not only in the monetary sense, but just generally, he says it's important because it can be transformed into other kinds of capital, such as reputation, status, wealth, influence, and other kinds of power. So when you look at this idea of social media, it's going crazy. Attention capital is what Oprah Winfrey and Kim Kardashian are able to convert into multi-million dollar businesses. All the brand, 
Like, I remember one Sunday, I said something negative about Oprah from the front. Whoo, people were mad at me. I had a few people come, Pastor, she does lots of great things. Like, I'm not the point I was making. But you can't speak negatively of people who have a brand. Listen, athletes, LeBron James, doesn't matter who it is. Everybody's got a brand, and they're protecting their what? Their brand. Because it's all associated with money. Oh, thank you so much. Because I was scratching up here. I could feel it. So, so you've got to understand that this technology thing, it's new. Say this with me. Technology is new. Well, watch this. The issue's not. The issue's not. This is what's been going on over and over. I mean, back in the New Testament, they'd say, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Peter, because they were all trying to assign themselves with something that was more remarkable than themselves. That's called worship. But we're called to worship only one person. Who is that? So when you look at this idea of worship, this is not a new concept. If you have your Bibles, flip open to Romans chapter 1. Just going to touch a few verses there. And then we're going to go ahead and uh, look ultimately at Romans chapter 12. We're only going to be in a couple different verses. I just kind of building this idea of what is worship and how worship flows. So Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to do verses 20 through 25 for you, just a few verses. It says, for since the creation of the world, verse 20, his invisible attributes, speaking of God, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that we are all without excuse. In other words, creation speaks of God's glory and our need to worship him. You guys with me so far? Say yes if you're with me. Okay, you're with me so far. So, so he goes on and he says, but even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their own speculations. Is this today or what? In their foolish hearts, they were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the image in the form of a corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. And then verse 24, he says, Therefore, because they wanted to worship something other than God, it says God gave them over to their lusts in their heart to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. They worshiped and served, that's important, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. See, listen, when you look at this passage, these are all distortions of worship. That's all it is. Well, well watch, they did not honor. Does worship call us to honor? Yes, yes or no? It does. It's a distortion of honor. Does worship call us to give thanks? Yes. They did not give thanks. Does worship call us to honor God's wisdom and his sovereignty and his all-knowingness? Yes or no? Okay, but they profess themselves to be wise. Does worship call us to give glory to God? The answer is yes. But they exchanged the glory of God for the glory of themselves. Watch, watch. For an image. Say, for an image. For an image. This is a distortion of God's design. That's all it is because they did it for an image. But you're made in the image of who? God. See, worship and this idea of how we're living and breathing and moving are directly connected. Everybody worships something, period. That's so important for us to understand as believers because when we walk out of this room, we go out to a world who might be adverse to God. They might say, I don't want to worship. You're crazy, one of them Christian people, all holy roller Jesus guy or whatever. They don't want your message. But if you start to understand that, hey, they're worshiping something, maybe they're worshiping their own will to resist God. Maybe they're worshiping their job, their wealth, their house, their, their position in life. Because we're all prone to it. Anybody ever got a promotion and thought they were really nifty? That's an old word, right? Come on, am I telling the truth right now? We get a new car and you want to do what? Show everyone. Show every That's what people do. Now, that's not wrong, by the way, unless it's out of place, right? Unless you start to worship stuff over worshiping God himself. So, so when we talk about this, what is worship? Again, it's to ascribe value to. Service is directly entwined with this idea of worship. So some of you have heard of Jack Hayford. You ever heard of Jack Hayford? I speak of him often. I, I've personally met Jack Hayford, which I guess that's kind of like me touting him, so maybe I just worshiped. I don't know. But I'm just saying... 
But I met him, and this guy is, uh, Pastor Jack was the, the pastor of Church on the Way, one of the first mega churches ever. It's over in Van Nuys on Sherman Way. That's why it's called Church on the Way. He's a very, very, now he's very old. I want to say he's 88 or 89, something like that now. But he's a very prominent Christian leader. He's written probably near 100 books. And he's, he was the president of Foursquare International. He was founded King Seminary, which is where I'm halfway through my master's degree there. So that, he's a, just a really, really prominent Christian leader. Well, he wrote a book called Worship His Majesty. So one of the books I'm just kind of poking through and reading as we're preparing to do this series. And, and I started to look at it, and, and he started to talk about what worship is. And he said a couple things that I, I think are worth quoting. So you guys okay with me quoting them? A couple things. Here we go. Okay, so, so when we think about this idea of, of a church worship service, he said a worship service is convened to serve God with our praise. So we come together, watch. Worship is service, right? So we come together. So why do you, you ever wondered why they call it a church service? What service are you going to today? Because when we gather, we gather together to worship, and the root of the word worship is to serve. So when we gather for a church service, who are we serving? God first, and then each other, right? That, that's actually what worship is. And he goes on, he says this. He says, after we've convened to worship God with our praise and to serve people's needs, watch, with his sufficiency, not ours. This gets out of alignment all the time, by the way. Watch, tell me if we don't have celebrity worship in Christianity. Now, I'm going to tell on some of y'all right now because I'm your pastor. I've had people pray for you, and then they'll say stuff like this. Is Pastor James coming? Um, I don't know. I've assigned people to pray, people who are way more gifted at prayer than I am. Like, like Caesar, I don't know. If, if you're wrestling between me and Caesar, you want Caesar to pray. I'm just saying, like, he hugs Jesus and then tells you what Jesus says. That's Caesar. Now, I'm not saying I can't pray. Please don't misunderstand me. But we have this kind of, so I want the top dog to do the work. I want Pastor James here. But the truth is, I'm not the most gifted prayer person in the church. Watch, I'm also not the most gifted worship leader. You guys have heard me sing a time or two. I'm really not. I'm not the most gifted administrator. But for some reason, we want to find the top dog and say he's got to be part of it because we worship celebrity or the, the position rather than what does that person's gift of God bring to each one of us. That makes sense or not? Yes. See, we gather together to bring service to God and then to bring God's sufficiency to us, not James's or Vic's or, or my girls or Steve leading worship or Caesar praying, none of that. It's all about bringing people in connection with who? God. That's it. See, so when we talk about worship, that's what he said. He asserts the reason that we call our church meeting services is because the primary person, purpose is to worship and bring service to God himself. So we've got to understand keeping the right thing in order to the right things. That makes sense? Okay, so now the Apostle Paul, because I'm going to start to transition to this idea of worship. Well, he's teaching in the book of Romans, and he kind of takes us on a pathway. So I'm going to call it the worship pathway, just for the sake of... Now, now, by the way, worship isn't only music. Some of us think that, though. Worship, actually, I would say music is a part of worship, but it is not the entirety of worship. Well, watch, nor is service necessarily. I, I would probably place it higher than worship, although in worship, sometimes we are serving, serving God. So these things, sometimes we get them out of order. But, but I would say this, worship is the entirety of our life and how it honors God in our families, with our children, in our workplaces, in our service at church, doesn't matter where we are. Worship is the entirety of your life exhibiting the life of God in you. Does that make sense? That's what worship is. So when we talk about worship, we can make it distorted. So Paul starts this way and he says, listen, I don't want to do some things I want to do, and I want to do some things that I don't do. This is Romans chapter 7, by the way. He's saying, man, I can't get it. I'm trying to worship God with sincerity, but I've got this broken sin nature, and I'm selfish. Am I talking to anybody right now? How many of you guys always want to honor God? Come on. You can say most of the time, some, but the reality is stuff comes up. It's called temptation. And then we do something that doesn't honor or worship God. This makes sense? This is just like 101. This is, this is called the nature of sin in the human dynamic. The way it impacts us sometimes makes us want to just 
I want to honor God, but I also want a piece of chocolate cake at midnight. <laughs> I'm just saying. I want to honor God, but I really want to spend that money I don't have on that thing that I don't need to impress people who don't care. You know what I'm saying? That, that's really how it goes. So we've got to keep ourselves honest before God for the entirety of our life. So Paul says, I want to do things. I don't do them. I don't want to do things. I do them. And then he goes on to this amazing, who will rescue me? And he says, praise be to God through Jesus Christ. So he makes this like amazing statement that it is God who rescues me. And in chapter 8, he says, everything works together for the good. Come on, somebody say amen. Because I don't know about you, but I've made some mistakes and God still puts me on my feet. Sometimes I'm limping, but I'm on my feet. You know what I'm saying? See, good. Does God work good out of sin? He actually, he actually does. That was revelatory to me in understanding God that even my failures can bring about his glory. Now, I got to be honest. I'm not giving you permission to sin. And I can tell you, I still experience pain when I did sin. Have sinned. Sinned yesterday. I don't know. Whatever. You guys get me. Still struggling with this battle is the point I'm making. And this is what I learned. That God can take that and reshape it and demonstrate his goodness to me. In the midst of my failures. Not only my successes. That is worship. That God, and Paul has taken us on this journey. And then chapters 9, 10, and 11, he tells this remarkable story of how God sent the message of salvation, the gospel through Israel. They rejected. And then he says this profound statement in chapter 10, every knee will bow, every tongue will bow. He says this, he says, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. And everybody's memorized. That's like a memory verse. That's like Christianity 101. And that's what he does. He takes us on this journey. And then he hits chapter 12. And he puts some, some, some nuts and bolts to it is what he does. He puts some foundation underneath it that I think is important for all of us. He clarifies what worship is, in my opinion. So flip over now, Romans chapter 12. And I want to walk you through just a few verses. And then I'm going to lead us in a time of communion this morning because I think it couldn't be more fitting to start on worship and then connect communion directly together with worship. See, worship flows out of a real understanding of our need for God. That's ultimately where it comes from. How much we, we were saved from. You guys remember what you were saved from? You remember how, how lost you were in your lostness before Christ found you? See, sometimes we need to remind ourselves. I, like I've been, like I said, 1988. 19, so 32 years, that's a long time. I've been a Christian longer than I've not been one. And there's, it's easy to forget where I came from. Like, it's kind of funny, like I took my kids through, we went up and hiked to Monrovia Canyon, which was my childhood, like, upbringing. I grew up in Monrovia. And, and as we were doing it, I'm, like, showing them all these places, and I'm driving by multiple places that I did not mention to them where I did just ridiculously stupid things, dumb things, sinful things. And, and, there, and so God was kind of bringing me back, reminding me of some of the places that he had rescued me from. I didn't share that with them. Now, I don't want to tell the, the ugly stories. that I tell the fun ones where we, you know, walked the town with BB guns and shot lizards and stupid things like that. But I don't tell them of the other stupid things I did, the, the places where I just went sideways and left. But I know this. It reminded me of how much I was saved from. And, and it also reminded me how much I'm dependent on God for everything I have. How many of you guys can lean toward being self-reliant? Anybody else in the room? I just trust myself, man. I can get through this. I can figure it out. You know, some, no one wants to raise their hand to that. But if we were honest, we want to figure stuff out a lot of the times. Instead of just stopping and saying, God, what's the way? I have an idea, but maybe that's not your idea. And, and I've had to learn to become dependent on them. And, and like I said, 30 plus years, I still have to remind myself to be dependent on God. And, and that's kind of where Paul is at. And he's going to bring this message of worship to us. So chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I urge you, brethren. In other words, I compel you is actually what he's saying. By the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, this word living here, this is like, it's not only to breathe, it is that as well, but it's vibrancy, it's passion, 
It's, listen, it's the life that comes from God. It doesn't mean your heart's beating. It means your life is pulsating. It's alive. You're connected with God's direction, his destiny, his vision. You're moving with him as he moves in you. That's what he's saying. He said, there's this idea of living, but it's not just breathing. And he goes on, he said, it's holy, a most holy thing. We get the word saint from this. Watch, it literally means this, awe-inspired. Isn't it awesome? Like, I ought to tell you this just as your pastor. When I watch somebody lay down their, their life tendencies, their frustrations, their sins, and, and they take up this idea of walking in uprightness and purity with God, and I'm not talking about perfection, please understand. I'm talking about they make a decision to walk with God. They're going to fight the battle of faith. They're going to press in against temptation. Am I talking to anybody right now? You're going to fight the fight of faith. When I watch that, I've got to be honest, it's awesome. It is awe-inspiring. You know why it's awe-inspiring? Because I know how much God worked in me to get me not to be the guy I used to be. So when I see it happen in somebody else, I'm like, that's a miracle. Not because I think you're so bad, but because I know mankind is what? Bad, they're fallen. So when you watch the possibility of God touch a person, you go, man, this is a living and a holy sacrifice. This is different. This isn't just like, hey, I'm going to give a few bucks for the kid in Guatemala. It's like, I'm going to give my life for the king of the universe. This is different. This is not an everyday occurrence. It doesn't come easily either. It comes with pressing in, honoring God. He says, this is our service of worship means the service and the worship of God himself. So I, I want to bring this thing kind of to a couple of points. And, and I want to prepare us to start to head toward this, this communion that we're going to take in a bit, which is our highest form of worship because we're celebrating what Jesus actually did for each one of us on the cross. So if you're going to come to God, how do you worship God? How, how do you personally worship God? Like, I know the Bible prescribes some things that are worship. Do you all agree with that? You know, like there's singing and there's service and there's studying the word. These are all forms of what? The worship. But how do you worship? See, this is one thing I've learned about people. Been a pastor a number of years now. Not everybody worships the same. They don't. People don't worship the same. What I consider worship, like music and somber and quiet and focused on God and everybody be quiet because I'm listening right now. That is worship for me. You know, other people worship, they pick up a hammer, they help somebody move, they mow someone's lawn, and that's more worshipful than they'd be like sitting quiet. Are you killing me? You're killing me. This, I can't do this. This is not connecting with God. Now that's not to say don't pray or worship. That's to say there's higher priorities in every person for how worship is expressed, how your devotion is expressed to God. Listen, I know this, and, and I could point this out of several people in the room. You come, you set up, you serve, you make things happen around here, no one sees it. No one sees it. They don't see the chairs get organized, they don't see the floors get vacuumed, they don't watch the tables get put up, but I know this, for those people, that is what? Worship. It's worship. Now, if I put a guitar in any of their hands, told them to stand, they'd be like, uh-uh. That you don't want to hear me sing, and I don't know how to play it. If I put a mic on them and said, now go preach, they'd be like, no, that's your job. I don't want to do that. That's not worship for me. Worship for me is service. Worship for me is prayer. Worship for me is song. Now, I would encourage you, you should have all of those things in your life at some level. But the number one thing I would encourage you to learn is what is worship between you and God? Because this is what I've learned for myself. I know how I worship. And I know the times that I'm intimate with God. And I know the time, and, and if I were honest with you, it's very rarely with everybody. Not. For me, my relationship with God is often very personal, very intimate. Hey, can, can I ask a question? Can I ask a question? Anybody ever cussed out God? <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm a bad guy. I'm just, <laughs> I've never said cuss words at God. Never said cuss words at God. Well, I've gotten mad at him a few times. And you know what I love about him? He didn't push me away. He pulled me closer. See, there was a, a, a vulnerability between me and God. But I'll tell you what, would I ever do that publicly? No, you'd be like, peace, man. What kind of pastor is this? 
No, but honestly, when I'm alone with God and I'm struggling to understand his way in my life, I don't try to get all flowery. I mean, I honor him. Please understand. But sometimes I'll be like, God, this stinks. This is lame. I, this isn't fair. Anybody ever told God something's not fair? Oh, man, I go around the whole thing with him. What I'm saying to you is this. Those moments for me are intensely deep worship. You're like, but you're questioning God. How could that be worship? Because he's unraveling my heart. And he's making me understand his ways. I'm not going to him telling him I won't serve him. I'm going to him saying, I, I need help. I need your wisdom. I need your way. I need your encouragement. I need to know you didn't stop loving me in the middle of this thing. Because I understand my heart's not right right now. And I understand that you fix hearts that aren't right. Am I talking to anybody right now? I'm talking about vulnerability. I know that when I'm like that, I am personally connecting very deeply with God. But it's private. When I'm public, my expression of worship is way different than what I do privately. Both equally worship. How do you worship? That's the question I'm asking you. Because if you never discover that, you will always be frustrated thinking you're doing it wrong. Now, I know I just talked to some of you. You're like, well, do I listen to only Christian music in the car? Is anything but that worship? I don't know. I don't, you have to decide between you and God what is honorable and dishonorable. Listen, there's some biblical principles. We're going to cover those in the weeks to come of what worship is. But right now I'm talking about the relational component of worship, where it's you and him, where he knows your thoughts. I don't know your thoughts. Heck, sometimes you don't even know your thoughts. That's true. But it's you and him. It's God trying to connect with you. I mean, come on, let's just be honest. God is self-sufficient. Does he need us to worship him? No. Is he an egomaniac? Is he like, everybody's got to worship me? No, not any of those things. And Paul is trying to get us to understand this. He continues. And then, now watch, here's some nuggets, some nuts and bolts Paul gives us about worship. He said, living and holy sacrifice. Watch what he goes on to say. He says, don't be conformed to the world. Okay, is it easy to be conformed to the world? Yeah. We live in it. Yeah. All the pressures of it. Geez, I wouldn't conform, but my boss, he makes me work Sundays, Pastor. He's an awful guy. I'm playing, but I'm just using that as an example. See, what is it about this? He says, don't conform. Don't be, watch, worldly. Okay, how do you learn what's worldly and what's not worldly? <laughs> Hello? I always harp on you guys. Read your Bibles. Because you'll learn what God thinks about life. Watch, you know another way you learn? You listen to his spirit. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm going to do something, you ever get that, like, tap on the shoulder, turn around, no one's there? Yeah. It's like God going, no, don't do that. You're like, oh, well, but you don't know what they did, God. And he's, don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't, just turn left. Just don't, come on. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. He'll speak to you through his word. He'll lead you by his spirit. But we have to do what? You've got to listen, because he is talking. He says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transform. Listen, can I share with you something? There's this idea going around Christianity that, that like, God takes broken things and squishes them back together. Kind of like if you took a whole bunch of Play-Doh and took it all apart, then you'd squish it all back together. He doesn't do that. He throws the Play-Doh away and makes you new. Come on. You see, we forget that we've been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. He doesn't take your old junk and then squish it together to make something that's kind of sort of re like you broke the vase and we glued it all back together. That's not what he does. What he does is he makes you new. He says to be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you've got to think differently. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I grew up in. You don't know how my husband treats me. You don't know how my wife treats me. You know how much I was abused. You know what? Every single time that Satan came in to destroy your life, listen to me right now, this is really important. Every time he came in to destroy your life was not God. Sometimes we take those and we say, God, why would you allow that to happen? He didn't. There is evil present and alive in the world. But you know what he does? He takes those ugly moments, watch, and he makes beauty from ashes. Man, that is so, if you can get that in your heart, you will live differently. Every time I start to think poorly about me, myself, my family, anything in my life, and I stop and I go, wait a minute, God, you make beauty from ashes. Ashes are the remnants of something that once was burned to nothing. And he takes that and he makes beauty out of it. 
Now, I don't know how God does that because he's God. But I've watched over and over in my life, stupid things I've done become stepping stones to prosperity and opportunity. It was not, it was not God. It was hell attacking your life. And there was a, a ditch dug, a, a pitfall, a pit to fall into, if you will. And God came and he put the cross across it so you could walk through. That's what he does. See, I want to remind you, don't be conformed to the image of the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you think everything's against you, man, I'll tell you what, I know people pick on Joyce Myers because she's a woman preach. She's amazing to me. Go get the battlefield of mind. Read that thing. Pass it all over your mirrors and stuff because stinking thinking produces stinking living, period. Period. Read it. If you don't like reading from a woman, I can give you other stuff on the mind. You need to be renewed in your what? Period. You need to think differently than you do. See, you don't be conformed. Don't be worldly. Be transformed. You're made new, not reshaped, new. And, and then he goes on, watch. He gives you other pathways of worship. And he, and he says this. He says, be transformed by the renewed so that you may prove what the will of God is. How many of you guys ever wonder what the will of God is? Come on, let's be honest. You ever wondered what the will of God is? I'm trying to find them. I'm following. I'm listening, Pastor. I, but I'm not sure. Watch. When you're not worldly and you let him transform you, this is the promise, you'll be able to prove what the will of God is. Right? Now, I'm not trying to be flippant because I understand that we're human agency. We're trying to discover something divine and holy. But I understand this, that when we live right, God leads us. Man, that's powerful. Way more powerful than we agree it to be. That it will know what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. He says, for through grace, it's been given me, I say to everyone among you, watch, another pathway, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Summary of that is, pride comes before fall. Don't be haughty in your own mind. We all think too much of ourselves. Unless you read the next verse. Watch, let's see what the next verse says. Let's keep going. He says, don't think too highly of yourself. Don't be full of yourself. No pride, right? This is a form of worship, right? We together, yes or no, church? Okay, I want to make sure I didn't lose y'all. Okay, but, but he says this, but to think of yourself with sound judgment. So he says, don't think too much of yourself. Watch, don't think too little of yourself either. Now, I think this is the crime. We're either extreme today. Either we think too highly or too poorly. Very few of us live with a healthy understanding. Watch, that you are made in the image and in the likeness of God. He didn't make a mistake with you. Oh, God messed up on me. I'm not smart enough. Oh, whatever. I'm emotional. Oh, whatever. You don't know the family I grew up. I've heard every story. Listen, I've said every story. Am I talking to anybody? I've said every story. Worship comes when we take our ideas of life, our identity from our life experiences, and we try to make them our spiritual identity. That is not worship. But when we say, hey, listen, I know what I grew up in, and I know what you transformed me into. That is called what? Worship. That's what it is. And, and Paul says, he, he says, think of yourself with sound judgment as God has allowed, allotted to each a measure of faith for just as we have many members, say many members, in one body and all do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Okay, so for me to be a successful worshiper, I got to understand that it's not just the James show, it's the James and everybody in the room show. You guys hear what I just said? Listen, you're not the center of the story, but you're in the story. And you've got an important part in the story. That's so important to say, because otherwise you'd be thinking too low of yourself, which is not worship. You guys agree or not? You'd be thinking too low. So you've got to think, I've got a role, but I'm not the only role. And part of my role is to bring honor to God, passion, and service to people, compassion. That's who we are as a church. That, and worship is our highest form of honor to God. So I want to invite Steve and the girls up. I'm going to give you a couple thoughts, and then we're going to take communion together and wrap it up. So, uh, and I said Steve and the girls. I mean Steve and the team or whoever you guys planned to have come. So, so I want you to think just a couple thoughts as we're heading into taking communion, just preparing our hearts before God as we start to think about, I'm going to take 
what is the most sacred expression of what Jesus did for us on the cross. See, when we take communion, that's actually what it is. It's us celebrating that we were lost and dead in sin, and instead of us being a sacrifice, Jesus became a sacrifice. And then in, in turn, he said to us, to worship me for that, I want you to become a living sacrifice. You're not going to die, although it might feel like you are sometimes. Somebody say amen. Sometimes God asks, and you're like, oh, darn. See, worship is about exchanges, so I just want you to think. And if you guys could take the lights down, I want you guys just to listen. I want you to kind of focus in on, on preparing your heart to be ready to take communion this morning. So we worship, listen, we worship because when we worship, God comes. He says he inhabits the praises of his people. When we worship, God comes. Another reason we worship is because there's peace in the presence of God. When we worship, he comes. When he comes, there's peace. Also, when he comes, there's joy. In fact, the Bible says that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. When, when we worship, it gives us the opportunity to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. It gives us an exchange, an opportunity. When we worship it, it actually revives our souls. It touches into the way we think, the way we feel, the way we emote. He starts to level out those high and low spots in us. How many of you guys got high and low spots? He levels them out. He just comes and he gives us peace. Be still. I love that about God. It's, it, listen, it's honestly one of the, the primary reasons I love worship is because it unravels all of the craziness in my own head and heart. Am I talking to anybody right now? That's why worship is so, so valuable. So why do we worship? I think it, it breaks up pride. This is one, one of mine. For me, it breaks up pride. Worship reminds me of my need for him. Makes me less self-dependent, more God-dependent. Reminds me that he's sufficient. And more importantly, that I'm not. Another reason for worship, these are some of my personal ones. I'm wanting you to think of what yours might be. I worship because he builds and he directs me, even in my failures. So when I worship, he brings me face to face with the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then he shows me how to walk with him. And he lifts me and he encourages me. And, and he reminds me stuff like this, like, and this is for a lot of you in the room, that worship actually reminds us that we were destined for greatness. Like, like and please understand, I'm not talking greatness like I'm LeBron James and I can slam dunk a ball. I'm talking greatness like the God of the universe saw you and designed you to be, listen, you to the best ability that you can be you. That's walking in greatness in my opinion. It's not having ability with a ball or a bat or a football. It's having the ability to know who you are, to discover your identity, to be at peace with who God made you to be. And that's so important. It's identity. And my last one is this. I worship because it empowers me to live for him. When I worship, there's a surge of his spirit that reminds me, not only can I do today, but I can do tomorrow too. Amen. And I can do next week and whatever comes my way, I can do it. Amen. If I lean into God, I can do it. Some of you need to tell yourself that I can do this. Yeah. I can, I made a mess of it. God fixes messes. I can do this. You need to remind yourself. So, so why do you worship? So as you're getting your heart ready to take communion, I want to be really, really clear. There's not a right or wrong answer to what I'm asking you. Why do you worship? How do you worship? What most deeply connects you with God? What most deeply connects you with Him? Because that's not accidental. That is how God wired you to connect with Him. That's so, so important. Listen, if it's in worship, man, worship. If it's in service, serve. If it's in your workplace, bringing release and honor to your employers, be the best. Everywhere you are, live for God. Does this make sense? Yes. Everywhere you are. See, there's an opportunity, this is, for an honest moment with God. So I'm going to have them lead us in worship, and I don't want you to get up, move around quite yet. I'll direct you to serve communion. I just want them to start us in. 
But I want you to check your heart. That's really the goal of this. God, how do I connect with you in worship? What are you calling me out of and into? Those are just beautiful questions in a moment like this. So just take a moment. Don't get distracted. Don't leave. Don't move around. Take a moment, you and God, and we'll take communion in a second. I just pray for grace over us this morning that we would live in peace and joy and rest in you. That we would not, God, I, I, I mean, I think my sense is this. I pray against the condemning voices that rumble around in our head as we're trying to hear what you speak over our lives. God, I just say, silence the, I mean, I'm a parent, but silence those parental voices that speak negatively. Silence those boss voices and let us hear your voice. Let us hear what your heart is speaking to our hearts. If I could ask a few of you to serve the rest of us communion, that would be great. Stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you 
presented our hearts before you, Jesus, we just pray that you would not only speak to us in this exact moment, but also in the hours and the days to come, that you would continue to form the worshiper that is in each one of us. And God, I do pray that you would help us to discover our uniqueness so that we don't just try to be like somebody else. And God, where there's areas that we've placed higher than you, would you show us so that we can place them lower? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he took the bread, he broke it, he blessed it. He said to his, to his disciples, this is my body which is broken for you. When you gather together, take it and remember this moment, what I did for you. That's what we're all doing right now. We're saying thank you, Jesus, for your work on the cross for each one of us. Go ahead and eat. And Jesus went on to portray and present the, the cup to them. And something that we don't gather so easily as Americans is that Anytime there was a sacrifice, there was blood involved in that sacrifice. Today we bring sacrifices of praise, but we don't bring sacrifices of blood. And the reason that we don't do that is because Jesus presented his own body and shed his own blood. So that when we come before the Father, the throne of grace, we come because of Jesus' blood, not because of any blood that we bring. When he took that cup, he blessed and he said, this is an everlasting covenant. In other words, you'll never have to bring blood again. It will no longer be life for life. It'll be my life for your life. And Jesus, we just say thank you for that. Thank you that it brought about healing and restoration and forgiveness. Go ahead and drink. Let's sing this together one time and I'll dismiss you.
exactly where we're at. You shape, you mold, you grow. When we go backwards, you pull us forward. And that's just, words can't express how grateful we are that you don't ever leave or forsake us. So as we go today, God, I pray that we would go from rich, encouraged, blessed, knowing that if God is for us, there is in fact nothing, nothing against us. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you all. Have an amazing Sunday.